Welcome to the Breaking Into Startups podcast, where we feature stories that help you get high-paying jobs in tech in less than 12 months. Breaking into tech can be lonely without mentors, and loneliness and weak social connections are associated with a reduction in lifespan, similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Why am I telling you that? The reason why I'm telling you that is because today's Breaking Into Stars episode featuring the CEO of Thinkful will change your life. Thinkful is not going to just change your life by giving you access to a world-class curriculum that teaches you life skills. They're going to change your life by introducing you to one-on-one mentorship. Not only is one-on-one mentorship extremely important as you're going through a career transition, But even if you have the option to go to a program like Thinkful without having to pay for it as you're going through it, some of you all still need money to live. With that said, Thinkful also offers living stipends that you'll learn more about on this podcast episode. And if you want to learn more about programs like Thinkful and get access to a laptop if you don't have one and enter our raffle, make sure you download the Career Karma app so we can tell you all about that. If this is your first time listening to the Breaking Into Startups podcast, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes, good or bad. We like feedback so we can get better over time. If you have not joined our Facebook community, make sure you do that. Tell a friend. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, make sure you do that as well. And if you have any other feedback, you can always send us an email to Ruben Archer or Timor at BreakingIntoStartups.com. You could tweet us at Everest10x. You can tweet the Career Karma Twitter as well at Career underscore Karma. And we are really excited about this podcast episode so you all can learn more about how you can join thousands of other people taking control of their careers. And without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timo Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Archer, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so it's uh, 7 a.m. on a Monday morning. We're recording our guest over Zoom. But we're here in Career Karma HQ. Very excited to introduce you to someone we've been working with for a while who's been a major player in the bootcamp space. So, Timor, can you please introduce our guest? Yeah. So, today we have a special guest, Daryl Silver. Daryl is the CEO and co founder of Thinkful. We work with them very closely. We have a lot of people in our community preparing and attending Thinkful. So, Daryl started Thinkful seven years ago to transform how people acquire tech skills. And before Thinkful, he started a company that was successfully exited called Perpetually to Dell. And by trade, Daryl's a software engineer. He's very passionate about photography. And we're going to unpack that on the episode, how those experiences led Daryl to where he is today. But Thinkful has graduated thousands of students since inception, and they're truly transforming people's lives. And on this episode, we're going to unpack how our listeners can also break into tech. So I want to start out by saying, welcome, Daryl. Hi, thanks for having me. Daryl, it's a pleasure to have you. And being in the space uh, so early on, 
I know Thinkful was one of the first boot camps on the market, and you guys have a special emphasis on mentorship. Do you mind uh, sharing with our listeners what is the what is your mission? What was your original mission? What is Thinkful, and what are you guys doing differently than the other schools? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we never really considered ourselves a boot camp, but kind of came and went regardless of what we were doing. When we started Thinkful, we did it because there was no way to learn the way that my co-founder and I had ever learned. Mm -hmm. At that moment in 2012, MOOCs were going to take over and replace college. We, everyone thought that videos were better than, than lectures and lectures were, were going to get replaced. And we said, that's neither of those two really represent how we learn. We had always learned, we'd always had the privilege to learn through asking stupid questions, hanging out with experts and internships, apprenticeships and one-on-one nature and all these things. We said, let's bring that to scale. If videos are going to take over colleges, let's instead take over video by offering one-on-one -on -one instruction and mentorship online because we can reach everybody online because we can find mentors that were located everywhere. That's what we tried to do. In October 2012, we got started. Yeah. And I completely agree that everyone has... Every individual has a different learning style. And a lot of the time, since tech is changing so fast, it doesn't make sense to like sit in the classroom learning things that might be out of date a few years from now. Instead, what a lot of coding boot camps do is teach people how to learn. How do you work with others? How do you teach yourself? And I know with Thinkful, you, you offer several different specialties, not just software engineering. There's a few other specialties. Do you mind sharing with the li listeners what types of roles are out there and how is Thinkful uh, preparing them for those roles? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, today, Thinkful's course catalog is software engineering, data science, data analytics, product design, we have a few other things in the works. What we do with our students is get them in the job they're looking for in any of those fields. That mm -hmm. basically requires two types of things, or three types of things. It requires the soft skills to properly run an interview process, properly negotiate an offer, all those components, which is a, that's a skill that you learn only by doing, and people don't usually do it all that often. And then the third is actually get them the network they're going to need to make it easier to find those intros, find those interviews, find those folks they want to work with in their, in their communities. So we provide all three. And today, we only do it in those four categories, but certainly we are excited mm -hmm. about adding more. Yeah. And as you guys are expanding these categories, you also... There was a pretty big announcement this week of Thinkful getting acquired by Chegg. So congrats, Daryl, on this huge milestone for Thinkful. All of your instructors, mentors, employees were truly happy for you. For our listeners who are either attending Thinkful or they're considering Thinkful, what is it going to mean for them? Yeah, I mean, it's really congratulations for the student and all our future students. It, it, what it means for them is more support. What it means for them is lower prices and what it means for them is more, more programs. So fundamentally, just to take a step back, if you look at 100 people that go to high school today in the US, 80 of them are graduating. Of those 80, about a little more than 50 go to college. Of those 50, about a little more than 30 graduate. And of those 30, only about 19 use the degree they gain. And so fundamentally, most people are not getting out of college the experience that they signed up for. 80 plus percent of people go to college for a better job. That's not really what college is designed for. And there's a massive world of people that are looking for jobs and careers that are fulfilling and they need a way to get there faster than the current options. So what Check is going to let us do is support that market a lot faster than we, than we ever thought before. Thinkful students are 30 years old. Check students are 25 years old. 
There's a lot of institutional support that Chegg has built over 15 years to get students the skills they need in their careers. And we're going to be able to bring those to thankful students looking for jobs in the programs we teach. Chegg also has massive option, massive opportunity to expand curriculum and it is going to really be pushing us to, to go further into curricula that are more creative and more uh, growing fast in our communities around the country. And so for students, what it means is more support, lower, more curriculum and more topic areas. And then we're going to sort of adopt the ethos that Chegg has had for the last 10 years, which is to keep prices extremely low. Chegg's products are designed around lowering the cost of education. And they've been doing that for since it was a textbook rental business and the prices have not increased in the last decade. We're going to bring that same ethos. I think one of the challenges in what used to be called the bootcamp world is that prices have kind of just ticked up every year. There's been this slow ooze toward the status quo of higher education. And you're, talk, you're talking $20,000, $25,000 for a six-month or one-year education. And that's just an enormous amount of money that restricts access. And so the question that we had, and this is what got us so excited about Chegg the first time around, is what can we do to lower prices, not just be part of the return to unaffordable rates and high debt, but rather lower prices for students. And so Chegg is going to work with us on that in the coming years as well. Got it. Got it. Speaking of you know the cost of education, higher education, and the different areas of boot camps. Can you talk about how just the boot camp world has evolved? You already touched on books and things like that. So can you can you tell us a little bit more about how people used to pay out of pocket and ISAs and how you think about ISAs and um just education and finance in general and what that means yeah. for students? Yeah, I mean so the way I think about it is all adult education, meaning education that's for an adult meaning someone like in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, that education should have a measurable outcome. Now, of course, you can be learning for a hobby and anything like that. Those are fine. But fundamentally, education for adults, the most prominent thing is to help you get a better, more fulfilling job. And so from the perspective of how do we look at the ROI of this education, boot camps are like a sliver of that. But the bigger picture is any skill with a measurable outcome. And those are skills that all adults use for the job should be financed more for students, should be financed where the school takes on some of it with the student, should be delivered in a way that has a measurable outcome. So you're talking about ISAs, ISAs serve that perfectly. ISAs say, look, if you're going to put your time and your career on the line and put your, as a student, if you're going to work with a school, then that school better have skin in the game also. ISAs only work for the school or only sustainable for the school if the student succeeds. And that's a partnership that we can really get behind. We've been working on ISAs for about two and a half years. We've rolled them out around the U.S. We're now doing living stipends for people that are doing as part of ISAs for people in some cities. And we're really excited about the response. We're really excited about the accountability that it creates in our system and around our, and around, uh, our peers. Yeah. And we actually recently released an income sharing industry report. And Thinkful was highlighted there as one of the early adapters of income sharing and for our listeners, if you're just hearing about ISA's income sharing for the first time, it's basically a new payment model where the student is not asked to pay up front, and that brings the incentive on the school to deliver you on the promise of helping you get a job, not just a degree and helping you graduate, but actually helping you get a job. And then when you are in a job, then you pay a percentage of your salary for a specified number of years. So that aligns the student's incentive to do better and get a better job, but it also incentivizes the school to help you achieve your goal. Because otherwise, if, you're, if your salary doesn't reach a certain level, 
or you lose your job and it drops below a certain level, then the student doesn't have to pay. So it's very different than traditional student loans. Daryl, you touched upon living stipends and a lot of people in career karma, like you mentioned, a lot of them are adults and they're coming to us and they're trying to figure out how do you afford this career transition? How do you make time if you're someone with a kid or you're someone who already has a job and you need to get a better job? How do you find the time to do it? And I think Living Stipends is showing promise to give someone that space to educate themselves and invest in themselves to get into the next job. Can you touch upon how does Thinkful structure their living stipends? What can someone do to qualify for them? And as they're thinking about their career transitions, what advice do you have? Yeah. So I think the biggest shift that people have to... The biggest thing people have to realize when they're considering any education that's going to better their career is they, you probably went through, I don't know, 10, 20, maybe 25 years of education that taught you that education takes place in a classroom, in a physical location, on a schedule that someone else defines. And in, in 2019, you really no longer have to accept that old status quo. You really should be looking at and you should be expecting education that is tailored to your own schedule, location, and financing. And so for living stipends is another way that education is tailored to your financing. And we can go to the others as well. But living stipends is if you have a, if you can, if you have a full time job or you, and you can't afford to quit, but you really can't learn part time for any number of reasons, living stipend says we'll subsidize your living expenses, $1,500 a month while you're enrolled in one of our full time programs. We'll subsidize your living expenses in order for you to be able to focus full-time on your education without having to worry about paying paying basic bills for enough folks in your life. That's the life-changing option for some people, not for everybody. And again, old education says conform to what the to what everybody is doing, one size fits all. And modern education says nope, pick the option off the shelf that matches you and mix and match to get it to work for you. And living seconds is one of those off the shelf. Yeah. Can we unpack a little bit? Because a lot of people in our community, I think one of the most common questions we get is like, what's the difference between a boot camp or a college degree or a boot camp and a graduate degree? Like 20 years ago, people were going for their MBAs or getting their graduate degrees. But can you just kind of, I'm curious to hear your views on what is the value of a graduate degree compared to doing a coding boot camp for one of the specialties that you guys provide? I mean, for not my opinion on what a graduate, more than 80% of people go to college for a better job. That's the reason they're there. And so, in my opinion, you should be looking at if you're one of those 80 plus percent. You should be looking at the education that gets you a better job. Now, if you can, if you're going to get a better job in 30 years versus what you have today, then a traditional college is better. And I don't know, whatever. But if you're going to be looking for a better career in the first year out of school, then you should be looking for the most efficient route to get the job and career you want. You should not be thinking about taking on $100,000 in debt to get there. You should not be thinking about spending any more seconds in school than you need to to get the more fulfilling job. I think in our flexible program, about 20% of people are getting jobs before they graduate. And that's not, it's not because we only enroll the smartest, best students. It's because we structure the program to bring you in front of employers and to let you know that you're job ready way before graduation. We want you to finish early and get it. We want you to get a job. We're incentivized to get you a job. We're not incentivized to just keep you in this, in your classroom, in your dorm, paying tuition, regardless of what you're learning. And so we like it when you get a job early. Yeah. So what I would say is 
Degrees can be great for some things. Degrees can help with lifelong earnings over the course of a 60-year career. And getting a more fulfilling career today can help you get your next career. And so there's a lot of different paths that lead through education. They're all going to survive. It's about understanding what you want in the next couple of years, what you want in the next five years, what you want in the next 10 years, and, and what your options are. And so I would, I would strongly recommend people look at, this is like basically the, the way we run all of Thinkful, look at the return on education you're going to get from whatever education option you're going to take. If your return is best with Thinkful, take Thinkful. If your return is best with one of our competitors, be about it so I can fix it, but go with that competitor. If your return is best by going to a community college, that's great. Go there. If your return is best by going to any other kind of institution, then do that. You should go where the best, where you get the best return on your education. Yeah. And speaking of thankful putting students in front of employers, we know that your placement rates are high. I um, mean, you definitely place people with these, like the big names like Google's and the Facebook's and things like that. But you also talk a lot about these heartland companies or things like Home Depot and stuff like that. Can you talk about like the types of companies your students end up getting jobs at? Absolutely. So Thinkful reaches students in in the cities where tech is growing fastest in the U.S. So that's that city like San Diego or Denver, uh, Dallas, and D.C. Right. So in those places, the companies that are doing all the hiring, the place where our students want to work, are not the Google, Facebooks, and, and whatever of the world. I'm sure we place we have students that are working there as well, and they get hired through Thinkful as a result. But of our program, but fundamentally, it's it's the Home Depots and Deltas and smaller names around cities like Atlanta or Northwestern Mutual and Milwaukee. These are sometimes big companies, a lot of times small companies. And what's going on is they need technology, they need technologists and programmers and data scientists in greater numbers than the couple of big names you read about in the newspaper. So our students are working where they're aspiring to work, which is in their community at, at companies that are great for them. Yeah. And you mentioned Atlanta. Uh, Ruben Archer and I, we met in Atlanta and it's like the tech mecca of the South. There's a lot of big names now like MailChimp. There's uh, Twilio opened up an office there. And there's a lot of tech Calendly. companies, Calendly, that see potential to hire top talent from places outside of Silicon Valley. In terms of demand from the employer side, the I think people traditionally think of tech companies as companies that hire engineers. But can you explain to our listeners why would Home Depot, which traditionally view Home Depot as like as a place where you go buy like household uh, like goods, why would someone why would Home Depot need engineers and like why is it so critical to their business today? Oh, I mean that's it's the technical term, but it's basically fractal. If you look at any department at any company, and we can talk to Home Depot, but but really it's the same everywhere. You need to be able to. Write software, analyze data, communicate in numbers in a way that wasn't true 10 or 15 years ago. So who do you think Home... In a lot of ways, Home Depot's biggest competition is an Amazon. Now, people would consider Amazon a tech company, but for some reason, Home Depot doesn't have that reputation. It's sort of a, it's a misunderstanding. The supply chain of a company like Home Depot requires massive amounts of understanding of, of what's moving, what's selling, what's, what's working in different geographies, what's working in different countries or cities. And... I'm not an expert in how Home Depot manages its manages its sales, but I guarantee you that the sophistication that goes into running both the online and the in-person and shipping and delivery and costs and supply chain and vendor management all require technology in a way that is not paper-based. Let's put it that way. It's all happening. Now, this is such a demand at Home Depot that I don't know if they still do it, but a couple of years ago, Home Depot ran their own internal training, both for internal moves of candidates wanting to move into software as well as recruitment of students that were 
highly motivated and wanted to learn those skills to be qualified for jobs in engineering. And that what that is, is the skills gap is so big at a company like Home Depot that they need to build their own school internally in order to fill it. That is not a unique experience. When I talked with the head of recruitment at Northwestern Mutual, it broke down as the following. I have 600 positions to fill in data science in the coming three years. 200 of them are going to be internal moves. 200 of them are going to be poaching from my competitors. And 200 are complete unknowns. I have no idea how to fill them, but I have to. And so they're funding large investments in community to get people to move to the Milwaukee area. But again, it's not necessarily a company that you'd see in the news under the tech label, but it's a company that has a large demand for people that can understand data, analyze data, and build software. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. I think it'd be helpful to talk to your students in the future as well that are working at these different companies as we start doubling down more on these stories of people. But can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on just employer-funded reskilling, but also like a blog post that you wrote about colleges launching their own boot camps as well? Can you talk about your thoughts around this this phenomenon of like short-form adult training provided by companies and colleges themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So, so historically, corporate training is a massive amount of money gets spent on it, and it's hard to measure. And if you think about you know, how Thinkful was started to provide measurable education at scale, that it really seems like there's an op- a large opportunity there. What's happening fundamentally is the negotiation happening between who's paying for education. Is it the student gaining the skills, or is it the employer gaining the more skilled worker? That renegotiation is a major coming shift in basically that's in the next couple of years it's basically filling skills gap. It's like who's actually gonna do the work to who's gonna spend the money to, to fill the skills gap. ISAs play a big part of that because ISAs offered today are kind of tax inefficient. You pay a student pays their ISA out of post tax earnings and that's quite expensive. Whereas a lot of student some student debt doesn't follow that rule. And a company like Chegg is actually working to make it tax efficient for companies to pay student debt and all these different pieces. So there's a lot of renegotiation of who pays what. It's ultimately a question of, is the student paying because they're learning the skills or is the company paying because they're gaining the more skilled worker? There's That, that renegotiation is happening market-wide. Now, I, I think I've talked myself into such a circle, I've lost track of your question. What was, what was the well, question? Well, that, I think that was a great answer to the first part of the question related to employer-funded tuition and how there's massive amounts of money going towards training talent and it's hard to measure. So great answer there. The other part of the question was, uh, we're also seeing a phenomenon of colleges themselves launching boot camps. And you've penned an amazing article talking about this phenomenon. So it'd be helpful to see how you think higher education is going to evolve with this short form version of either a boot camp or alternative form of education and how you think that that world is, is changing with this new model. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so historically, and this is for you know the last 250 years in the United States, colleges are a pillar of the community in building careers in an educated workforce. That that has been the case and will continue to be the case. So as the labor market has shifted to education happening throughout your lifetime rather than just happening when you're 18 to 22, colleges have started to adapt. So there's a large move toward basically providing lifelong learning through through colleges. So Trilogy has had an incredible breakout success in providing software engineering and a variety of other skills through college partnerships. There's a lot to work out in that model, but it represents a pretty large shift underway from college serving an undergraduate community and then specialty graduate programs into serving what is really the modern college at average age 25, changing careers every 
five or ten years, either at the career change. Yeah, Daryl. And when it comes to outcomes, I know Thinkful has been one of the leaders in uh, helping to found uh, Sir, and you also you're one of the few, maybe one of the only couple of boot camps that actually offer money back guarantees on some of your courses which definitely aligns incentives to see the students succeed. Can you talk a little bit about those things, outcomes, sir, and uh, your money back guarantee? Yeah, I mean, so, so for us, two of the culture values on which, and this is how I recruit for our team, right? We're doing a lot, we're 100, we're well over 500 people now. We do a lot of recruiting. But we founded, there's two elements here. One is transparency and what the ROI is on our education. I talked about a return on education. So like, what is that? And then also I talked about how it's important that we have skin in the game with our students that, that, that we succeed when the students succeed. So on transparency, we co-founded CIRR, C-I-R-R, Council on Integrity Reporting Results, something like that. And fundamentally, it's just saying, look, we're going to apply this. Everyone's going to, going to report outcome results of students that go through our programs. We're going to come up with a common standard, a simple standard, and we're going to, we're going to hold each other to it. And it's been good to see that community grow. There's actually a conference on that coming up in the middle of November, one of the first ones. It's still pretty early in SIR, but it's been great to see that grow and gain credibility. So that's on, that's on transparency. On seeing skin in the game or having skin in the game with our students because our students are putting up a lot in order to enroll. It's a massive decision for them. Is the school aligned with them? We started with the tuition refund guarantee. So look, we can't give you your time back, but if you're going to pay us money and then, we're, and then you're not going to succeed, but you did the work, we'll give you your money back. And that's a really important cultural metaphor for us. We need to know, our teams need to know that that we're only succeeding when the students succeed. ISA is playing into that perfectly as well, right? We don't even yeah. we don't even start cash. We can't even make it sustainable until the student succeeds, and that's we have a long enough track record that we can have better. We can give our students lower and lower rates on ISAs because of our because of how long we're doing this. But but it's it's for us it's all the same. It's, it's we only succeed when the student succeeds. How do we show that more and more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I I love everything that you just covered, and I also like that you highlighted your team. You know, you have a large team now that's dedicated to outcomes for students. We like to tell people a lot that, you know, there is no such thing as a self-made person. So given that you have such a strong team working around the clock on this stuff, can you talk a little bit about your founding team and your executive team and a little bit about the history about how you all came together? Um, how you all were founded? I mean, a little bit about the history of the team. I think I think you guys watched an Avengers movie or something like that. Sure. So. My co-founder and I, Dan, founded Thinkful in October, October 1st, 2012. We had met the prior May, May 6, 2012, through a mutual friend. We saw, saw the Avengers, the first Avengers movie. It's now a tradition every year. We see the event. We see probably most of the time it's the most recent Avengers movie every anniversary. But, but when we started Thinkful in October, we very quickly found a few folks on the team. Some of them are still with us. And now our management team of about 12 has been with us, you know, four years, five years, six years, seven years. It's been a pretty fun run. Awesome. Awesome. Super cool. And so um, I, I know there's a, a little bit more history around around you and and your company. And there's like a, a Teal Fellowship and stories around like more ties with your co-founder around like how he thought about how you all think about education in general and how there's this just been encouraged encouragement to seek alternatives outside of college. Can you talk a little bit more about like what a Teal Fellow is and, and that type of stuff like that? Yeah, uh, Dan joined as a, the first class of Teal Fellows back in, I want to say 2011. He left college with a friend, 
in fact, he now tells this story. He uh, he went on his went on a first date with someone in college, and on their first date, he says, "You know, I'm quitting school and I'm going to go to this thing called the Teal Fellowship." And she says, "What are you talking about? That's like a crazy thing." And she thought he was a bit crazy. And then two weeks ago, they got married in upstate New York, and, oh, wow. and now they tell this story about how on their first date, Dan said he was doing this crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's but it's impacted a lot of people's lives that he was doing that, and, and my life. My life, one of them as well. Yeah. And for our listeners, can you unpack a little bit about what does it mean to be a deal uh, fellow and like how does someone become one? So I have no idea how to become one nowadays. It, 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 the basic idea is, is the one size fits all nature of college is obsolete. Let's, let's, let's see if there's an alternative. Let's see if there's people that can succeed in a different way and a big way. And Dan was a sort of guinea pig for that. So Teal Fellowship in practical terms says, look, We'll pay you $50,000 a year, no strings attached for two years if you quit college and do something else. And so, Dan, <laughs> it, it's a pretty, pretty good bet, you know, some like 19-year-old doing, getting, getting that kind of offer. And that's what he did. And it was, it was toward the tail end of that that he and I met. Yeah. And I, lo- I love the idea of just taking a big risk in your career in order to try something different, kind of go against the grain and see where it takes you. That pretty much defines the story of Arthur Rubin and I coming together too, because we lived in Atlanta. We had jobs. We went to school, kind of did the traditional thing, took out loans. Arthur and I were still paying back the loans for the degree that we're not using today. But at some point, we had to take the risk. And we had to take the risk of giving up something we worked for and starting fresh in hopes of pursuing our passions and pursuing our dreams. Daryl, in your case, you also took a lot of risk in life starting your previous company. And then in the early days, I know you not only figured out how to teach yourself how to code, but also you became a photographer. Can you talk about how some of those challenges or some of those risks in your prior career or in your prior experiences define kind of where you are today? And how did that all come together? Absolutely. I mean, let, let me start off by saying, I think the opportunity for me to take big risks defined me more than what I did with that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because as I've learned basically in adulthood, as you kind of leave the leave kind of bubble of startups a little bit, is most people don't have the luxury of being able to take big risks. For that for, for most people, they don't have enough savings to cover a hundred dollar unexpected expense. Their car breaks down and can create job and job security or problems for them. That is an extraordinary it's actually just extraordinary how many people in startup land forget that or don't understand that. And so the first thing about taking risks is risk is relative. If you're in a position like most Americans where you can't afford to quit your job and you're listening to some podcast where some some guy was able to start a company at, at 27 and, and stick to it despite no salary for, for two years, like that's not as relatable an experience as you might as you might think. And so the question for some people is, gee, how do you build up the how do you build up the grit and determination to do something that your parents don't approve of? Mm-hmm. But the conversation for most people is economically, how do you afford the kind of path that you'd really be passionate about, whether it's career independence, whether it's a new career, whether it's being your own boss, whether it's starting a company. And, and those are those tend to be very different conversations. So I think, yeah, like I had this incredible luck being born into a position where I had supportive parents and I had a I've been working since I was 14 years old, but I never had problems about I never had that. I never. I, I was always able to save money, and, and so I work incredibly hard. But but also, I have a lot of advantages. And so there's kind of two different paths to take that discussion. Mm-hmm. There's there's what do you do from a personality point of view to gain gain risk taking kind of 
tolerance. And then there's also what do you do financially to earn your, to be able to take risk on about doing something you love and doing something you're passionate about. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, what I would add is that the risk that the three of us, Arthur Rubin and I took in, t- in 2014 was pretty significant because we moved out to the Bay Area. We had to quit our jobs. So to your point, we did have to have some savings, right, in order for us to afford that. And back in 2014, the only way, like at least in our minds, was to do like a full-time in-person boot camp because there weren't schools that are online or there weren't options that are part-time. What we love about our community today and what we love about kind of the bootcamp 2.0 model is that today, even though career transitioning is a big risk and you're mostly betting on yourself, it's becoming more and more accessible to the average person who doesn't have a lot of savings, but they have a lot of drive. And some examples of that is schools that offer income sharing, right? That take away that pressure to pay for this education up front. Schools that offer online courses that are part-time as well. And I know with Thinkful, Thinkful isn't an online, it's an online school and you guys offer the nights and weekends course. So now more and more people do have access to this type of education and this type of career transition that actually minimizes the perceived risk and has a huge upside. Can you share with us some of the stories maybe of your students who have gone through these transitions and who is this program really for? Because there's a lot of listeners today who might think I was never good at math. And I think people go through life holding themselves back from that. Can you share some examples of like, how does someone actually become an, an engineer through a thankful scores and some examples of people who've done it? Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, we have thousands of examples. So, so the two favorite examples that I love to hear about, and we, we get a new one of these every, every few weeks, every couple of months, is someone who tells us, like Sunyi did a couple of months ago, I had to convince my parents that there was an opportunity in software engineering that it was worth quitting my job in sales for. I quit. I went to Thinkful's full-time program. It was hard. I worked 40 to 60 hours a week on it. I went through career services. And because of Thinkful, I was able to buy a house. That buy a house... Mm-hmm. frame it turns out happens surprisingly often you know you, i bought a house because of thinkful as a phrase we started hearing back in 2017 2016 we put it on our anniversary gift that we gave employees because it was just such a cultural milestone it's incredibly rare i always i always tell people it's incredibly rare to be able to have a career where you can grow the people that work around you and you can earn a salary, and then you can also positively impact people that are your customers so dramatically. This isn't like you're helping them get a lower cost on their cell phone bill. This is you're helping them. They bought a house because of Thinkful and mm-hmm. they they tell you that. This is like a very straightforward transaction, a very straightforward response that you get from, from your customers. And that's incredibly rare to have that opportunity of impact plus, plus, plus career growth. And uh, I, guess, I guess that's where I say we are recruiting and we are hiring pretty aggressively. But absolutely, those, those kinds of stories... We have a careers team that hears that many, many times each month. That's awesome. And, 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 you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, diversity and things like that. But like we, we like to think about diversity, but also like socioeconomic diversity. So would you, would you argue that I'm a large portion of people that are, are going to think for are from a lower socioeconomic background or diverse? So it, it's a group of people from a diverse socioeconomic background. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, th- so the way we look at that is a couple things. So, about half of our students have four-year degrees, and the other half don't. 
when you look at the ISA population that we serve, it's even more skewed toward people that don't have traditional four-year degrees. About 20% of our students started college and didn't complete. They didn't, the expense was too high. It tends to be that the expense was too high or that the, they didn't see a path where they were spending their tuition time and money, their tuition money and time, excuse me, to the job they wanted. And so they left. And then, of course, we see a lot of students in, you know, the New York and California, but actually we see more students in smaller cities around the country. And we have, we have strong communities around the country of our learners. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that? I know you have those like those meetups in different cities and things like that. I mean, as you talk about those meetups, I mean, it'd be helpful to also understand what are things that people say about Thinkful that they misunderstand or what are they not saying about Thinkful that they should know? Yeah, I mean, so so I think the biggest thing that people come into Thinkful thinking is I'm going to go back to school and school for me is like it was in elementary school. It's a classroom. I learn. I, I travel to it and I learn for a fixed number of hours every day and I learn at the same speed as my peers. And at Thinkful, what we've done is said, look, none of that is relevant in the modern world and none of those are restrictions in the modern world. None of those are going to help you get a better job. So we say, let's start from the employer. Where is the em- Who is the employer hiring? What skills are they looking for on the resume and how do you interview there and how do you reverse engineer from there to what you should be learning and preparing for in the job skills. So that leads, thankful, to some really obvious, but to some people, surprising answers, which is when I show... Here's an example. When I show a student in DC that we got a job for someone in San Francisco, they don't care because they're not looking for a job in San Francisco. They could be the, we could be the best school in San Francisco, but it doesn't matter to that student in DC. Wait, right? student in DC wants to know that you got a job in a sector that's that's hot, that a sector that has a lot of job growth, a sector that's that's going to be secure and have stability and, and, and they're going to pay well in DC. People yeah. want jobs where they live. So what we think at Thinkful is we want to be the best school in the world that's also in your neighborhood, meaning we're going to get you a job that's in your neighborhood. We want to customize the curriculum to the employer or the city that's in your neighborhood. We, we started to do that stuff. We want to have you in front, in person with the employer that's going to be your, that's going to be hiring you. And we want to be doing that in DC because that's where you live. You don't live in San Francisco. It doesn't matter that there's some other company hiring in San Francisco. You, you want that job in DC. And so we build that into the program, which means that there's in-person components that are flexible and they don't, they're, they're optional and they're, they're free. And if you're a student, you can go to them as much or as little as you want. But then mostly it's an online experience because we want you to have the flexibility of being able to do it between your job or doing it from home or doing it from work or doing it on the weekends or doing it during off hours or doing it in the mornings, doing it around your kids' schedule, any of those things. And so this combination of, to sort of come back where I started the answer, traditional education was built on one size fits all. Classroom, fixed hours, fixed location, fixed velocity. Thinkful is... How fast can you go? What is the fastest route to getting you a job? What is the best way to fit it into your schedule? What is the best way to fit it into your commute? And how do we get you into the employer that's in your city, in the place you want to be working? Yeah. Let's, just, let's just go from there. Yeah. And I love the emphasis on places outside the, the New York, San Francisco cities. Which uh, Can you give our listeners an idea? Like Which uh, cities do you have the communities in? And maybe some that people wouldn't expect as like a big tech hub where Thinkful has a large presence. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a lot of places like in San Diego or in Phoenix or in DC, we're there by design. In a lot of places, it's our students that are pulling us there. And so in places like, in most places in the country, we're actually not doing anything specific to attract students. It's just kind of happening organically. So that's, that's, that's uh, Chicago or Denver or there's about 20 others. And so around the country, we're seeing students that are asking us to join and be part of their community. And we're trying to get there as fast as we can. Yeah. 
I think that I think this episode especially is going to be relevant for people in career karma, as a lot of them are looking for part-time options, options in their area, and options that help them buy a home, like you said. So it was yeah. great hearing about your experience, everything that Thinkful is doing. We're very excited for you. Before that, so uh, Ruben, what were we gonna say? Yeah. So before before getting into the lightning round, you know, th- this is a super super helpful interview to get a sense of everything that you all are doing. But now that you all had this big announcement, now that you all have been acquired, I think um, it'd be helpful for you all to send a message to the people that are thinking about considering Thinkful today. Is Thinkful here to stay? How should they feel applying to Thinkful going forward? Like, what what's your vision for for Thinkful today and going forward? Yeah, we're building the next the world's next workforce. Our entire goal is to get people to the job they're going to find most fulfilling faster than they could without Thinkful. And when before we were acquired, we thought we were really special at doing that. When we saw the things that Chegg can bring to students in twenty four hour support in lower prices, in expanded curriculum, in higher quality curriculum, in measurement of student success, in employer network. Chegg has millions of learners and hundreds of thousands of employers that work with them every single semester and every single year. Bringing that to bear for Chegg's community, for Thinkful's community is going to be very, very special. That's special already today, and it's going to be even more special every month and every week for the rest of, rest of eternity. Yeah, so we, yeah. so it's, a, it's a really special time to be, to be uh, joining Thinkful, and it'll only get better. And yeah. if, you, if you all are on Twitter... Look up the world's next workforce hashtag so you know what he's talking about. You'll see a bunch of tweets about Absolutely. that. Yeah. And I think also for graduates, you don't want to go to a boot camp that is not going to be around in a year or two because there is a, a, the alumni network is very powerful. And as boot camps mature, your second, third, fourth job could come from the people who know what it was like to be an outsider one day and Absolutely. then breaking into tech through a coding boot camp. This was a really great um, experience, Daryl, hearing from you. The last part of our podcast is the lightning round. And this is where Arthur Rubin and I, we're going to ask you a number of questions, but we're really looking for any tactical advice and strategies that will help our listeners break into tech as well. Yeah. So, so this cool. question, yeah, let's get started. So this question takes it back to the basics. So imagine if you only had $100 and you were dropped in a new city, you didn't know anyone and you were starting your career all over again, what would you do and how would you spend that $100? I'd go to meetups. Okay. The most valuable way to spend your time when you don't know anybody is to start to meet people. It's also extremely expensive, if not free. So you might spend you might spend some money on bus fare, but I would definitely go to meetups. I would try to find out where interesting things were happening, where the interesting people were from your perspective, get to know them, figure out what was interesting. And then I guess I might try to figure out what I wanted to be doing in six months or a year or two years and, 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 and start building toward that. Got it. So find a Thinkful meetup in your city. Hopefully you meet a, a Thinkful grad there. Yeah. Do the prep work, join the squad in Career Karma and then get in and go from there. Got it. Makes sense. All right. So this is less tactical, but I'm super curious just because um, my brother and I watch Avengers every time it comes out. Um, <laughs> I also like X-Men as well. So what is your favorite Avengers character? And like, how like do you ever like think about them to help you like get into like work mode or hustle mode or think about yourself as a superhero? No, and can I tell you a secret? I thought the Avengers movies—they're so fun because they're so stupid. Um, <laughs> they're so stupid. No, obviously, obviously, Iron Man is my favorite Avengers oh, yeah, character, but, but is that this is like the most predictable answer, right? But <laughs> but 
but come on, the, the movies are so stupid. The, the most recent one, I think there was a 30 minute, it's like a 17 hour movie. I think there was a 30 minute <laughs> intro before you even got to the credits. Like it was a two plot. There was a whole sitcom that happened but before you got to the intro. Like these things are out of hand. And so, you know, but because of Dan and because of May 6, 2012, I think I'll be watching it for the rest of my life. There it is. There it is. The honest truth. Nice. And um, <laughs> we, uh, we usually ask people for advice. Since uh, within Career Karma, we have the 21 day challenge and we tell people to use the 21 day challenge to reach out to two people, one person at their stage, one person a stage ahead of them to kind of start exploring a career transition and what it would look like for them. What advice do you have for someone who's listening to this podcast? They probably dislike their job and they see tech changing the world and they want to get started. What advice do you have for them to start today and not wait until tomorrow? Every day, just make a little bit of progress. Doesn't matter how much. It's an incredible game of perseverance. I've had this career since I guess I'm going on 11 years in this career. I just had a big win for my career 11 years in. Mm-hmm. Every single day is it is it takes time. I remember in my first company, and now you know we you did it in the intro. I talked about it as a quick. It's like a it's like a win. It's we sold. It had a good exit for everybody. Like all this stuff in the first company, but. Six. This the story that nobody knows is six months prior to that successful exit. I thought we were going to fail, and I had, I, I had to lay people off because we couldn't couldn't make payroll in a few months. Mm-hmm. And I sent a letter around to our investors saying this is it. Couldn't get it to work out. We had customers like Apple and IBM and Abbott Labs and a couple others in the Fortune 50. Couldn't get it to work out. Six months later, I had two acquisitions. Four months later, I had two acquisition offers. And literally, I had chosen one to go down the path that this, the, the, what turned out to be the Dell opportunity. I'd gone to their offices and presented to the entire C-suite and, and of the subsidiary. And I'm in the airport flying back home from Portland to New York. And I get a call from one of my investors who says, you know, could you, can you tell me if I can write off the losses from my investment into your company, this thing you spent three years? Can you tell me whether I should write those losses off in 2012 or in 2013? And I said, wait, 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 don't write off anything. The company is going to get sold. You're going to make a profit. It's an incredible turnaround. And that phone call, three and a half years in the making, was a roller coaster ride of, of, of a lifetime. Like incredible. It takes perseverance, like you couldn't believe, to kind of see through the ups and downs of the day to day. And if you're in a job you don't like, you have to see it as part of a journey of where you want to get going. It doesn't matter where how you got to where you are. You want to look ahead and say, what can I do today that gets me one step closer to what I want to be doing? What I find is people are most unclear about answering the question of what they want to be doing. And so that's a place to start. Just work on figuring out what you want to be doing. Yeah, if you don't yeah. like what you're doing, do something new. It doesn't matter how small or different it is. Do a 28-day challenge. Do 100 days of code. Any, yeah. any number of things that help you explore are going to be are going to pay off. It might take a decade. It might take two decades. And there's going to be ups and downs along the way. But it's an absolutely the, the only way to get to yeah. whatever might be more fulfilling for you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it, at the end of the day, it comes, out, it comes down to just pushing yourself outside the comfort zone and finding a way to kind of break the kind of going to the gym analogy, I think, compares well. You're not going to be building muscle, muscles by having an easy time at the gym. And the same thing with your career transition. It's going to be painful. You're going to feel like an imposter. You're going to feel like you don't know what you're doing. But 
when you look back six months, a year from now, then you'll see how much progress you really made. So definitely find the people in career karma to help you push yourself outside the comfort zone and hold yourself accountable. Yeah. And from your guys' perspective, always be closing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And who would you say is like your biggest mentor or coach? And what do you feel is the biggest piece of advice that they've given you on your either career journey or your life journey? Oh, that's a great question. What's a great question. What's, what's interesting about that question is the answer has changed year after year because the needs of my job change year after year. And so the people that I was learning from in 2009 and 10 and 11 are very different than the people I was learning from in 2019, 18, and 17. And it depends on the challenges you have ahead. So, so the reason I said, the reason when you said drop yourself in a city and, and uh, with $100 and what do you do? I said, go to meetups is because you're going to need different people with different life experiences at each phase. Nobody's going to ever have the same experience with you in the same, in the same sequence. You need to find people that can help you with and that you can communicate with. And so, my best advisors today are folks that have sold sold startups to, to, to public companies, of people that have gone through big deals, of people that have gone through management where at the scale of that we're at, and where you have managers and managers, and you have work problems and communication. And so, my advisors today are very different than my advisors a decade ago. But but you never benefit. You can never have. You can. You, I've never seen the, uh, the the maximum that's efficient. So I, I would absolutely recommend. Finding people you can work with, finding people you can learn from, understanding what problem you're facing, and then finding people that can that can help you, and that's it's absolutely critical for for whatever stage. So I don't have a name for you. I apologize, but it's a, it's a long list. Uh, it's a long list of people that have helped along the way and that continue to help today. No worries, no worries. Awesome. Okay, so I think last question: What's the best way to stay in touch with you? Um, do you have any closing words for everybody? And then we'll we'll we'll, sh- we'll tell everybody to reach out to you whenever they they need to. Yeah, well, I'm just Daryl at Thinkful, D-A-R-R-E-L-L at Thinkful.com. You can email me at any time. I'm also Daryl on Twitter. Uh, I got LinkedIn email, like all these things. I'm around. I'm more, and, and in fact, I tell this to our team. People people don't take me up on it. Thinkful is a fully distributed company. I'll be going on a roadshow two weeks with a few folks and visiting Denver and Portland and Portland, Oregon and LA and Chicago, San Francisco a few weeks after that. I'm based in Brooklyn. So I'm, I'm traveling all over the place. Just email Daryl at Thinkful.com. Yeah. Awesome, and awesome. we'll include the link to the email and your Twitter on uh, in the show notes. And I think for listeners, follow Daryl on Twitter, see what he's up to, get in touch with him if you're interested in this career transition and start start building up your network and tech and make sure to join Career Karma. But Daryl, it was a pleasure having you on this um, on our podcast. Congrats again on this huge milestone. We can relate what it's like being an entrepreneur and how hard you work and the risks that you take. So it, it always makes us happy to see one of our partners who cares about the students also not only succeed themselves personally, but now it sounds like you'll have way more resources to support your students for the next decades. So congrats right. again. And um, we'll see you when you're in San Francisco. Yes. And make sure you, you guys you. check out that, later. that yeah. world's next workforce hashtag. Uh, thanks again for everything. Without further ado, let's, let's break, break in. in. Peace. Bye, everybody. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. 
Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.